Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, where life isn't always perfect, but God is always at work. I'm Jen, and I'm just so honored that you're joining me here today. I hope your day's going well, and if not, hopefully this will make it even better. Whether you're on your lunch break at work, pounding the treadmill at the gym, chauffeuring a bunch of kids to activities, or sitting on the floor folding laundry, just know you're welcome in this imperfect space, which is basically the equivalent of my messy kitchen table. Every episode is posted bi-weekly, about every other week, and each conversation is intentionally filled with real women, real life, and a very real God. Today's guest is my sweet friend and my pastor's wife, Amy Groeschel. Amy wears a ton of different hats. She co-founded Life Church with her husband, Craig. She home-educated her six kids. She's a voice and advocate for foster care. She leads the women's ministry at Life Church and founded a nonprofit housing ministry for women called Branch 15. She's also the author of Bible studies such as The Pursuit and The Hope, as well as the co-author of a book on marriage called From This Day Forward. There are so many things I could say about Amy, but I'm mostly grateful for her sincere passion and her generous heart. She loves God, she loves people, and I'm here to tell you she lives what she preaches. You're going to be so encouraged after hearing from her today. So grab or reheat your coffee, pull up your chair, and join us right now at The Messy Table. Hi, Amy. Hey, Jen. Welcome to The Messy Table. Thanks for being here. I am so happy to be with you. This is an amazing podcast. Oh, well, I'm glad to have you here. It's so fun. It's awesome. It's messy. It's messy. Yes, it is. That's right. Well, for those listening who don't already know you, or maybe they know you only as Craig's wife, there's so much to who you are. So if you would, just give everyone a little quick snapshot into your world, who you are, and what you're all about. Ooh. How much time do you have? No, (laughs) who I am. Um, I know that's kind of a deep, like theological question. Who are you really? Yes. Who am I? (laughs) Wow. So I'm so grateful to have my husband, Craig of 26 years of marriage and um, our, our beautiful six children that we have that two are married and uh, one that just went to college. And uh, so three in the home right now. And We almost feel like empty nesters because their lives are so busy and they're out so much. So life is definitely changing. I've been a homeschool mom with my children and busy in ministry, uh, just busy in in life. I don't know. I'm I'm very serious about the things of God, and I'm also, you know, pretty much a a silly person, too. So it's (laughs) serious and silly. That's a good mix. I love it. Well, um, so since we are here at the messy table, I have to bring up a memory that always stands out in my mind. It was probably six years ago um, because I was pregnant with Jack and a group of us were at your house and your house is older, but it's beautiful and cozy and it had clearly been cleaned. You know, people were coming (laughs) over, so candles were lit and food was on the table. And I remember thinking, how does she do it with six kids? Like, here I am, pregnant, I have a toddler at home, and I feel like it's hard to get anything clean, um, much less, you know, shave my legs. It's just hard to kind of do anything. And so at one point, I need to use the restroom, and someone was already in the one by the kitchen, and I remember you were so sweet. You said, oh, no one should make a pregnant girl wait for the bathroom. Just go use ours in our bedroom. And so I walked in, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that I almost cried um, because it looked a lot like my bathroom. Uh, You know, your makeup was 
spread out on the counter and there were some clothes and towels on the floor. Nothing big, but what I loved was that you didn't not let me in to your bathroom because it was messy and you didn't even excuse yourself and say, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, about the mess. And um, that's just an example of who, a silly example really, of who you are that even though you do have this incredible platform that God is using in big ways, um, you've always been so real and humble and gracious and you never ever act like you're above anyone. And I just so appreciate that about you and your heart. And so thanks for letting me into your messy bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I love that you share that because I I learned early on as a young mom, um, how much it blessed me when I would go to someone else's house and see their junk and their mess. And it, and it does make you feel better because, um, perfection is just a very difficult thing. Um, to try to look at and, and you can't be really encouraged by it. You're just discouraged usually. So, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's not a real standard. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that you see that. And, um, that blesses me. Uh, all right so other than god it's clear that your family is um most important to you so what does family time look like for you guys what do you do for fun gosh jen that question um kind of makes me sad because of what i already said about my family changing so much right now and and everything just looks so different the older that that the kids get the more engaged they get with activities and and you want them to and, and they get so involved with friendships that family activities now are very challenging to come by. It seems like we have to now find just real intentional nights where uh, we just enforce you, you can't have anything else going on and it becomes a family dinner night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the married kids, I'm so thankful they're in town, so we have them over. Um, and they can't, we, we'd love to do it every week. They can't come every week because of their schedules, but it's just anything we can do to be intentional to get everybody together. And it's usually around a table. It has to be around food. And mm-hmm. that's what tends to bring us together is meals, food. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> meals kind of seem to always do that, don't they? Yeah. So you co-authored the book from this day forward with your hubby. And in it, you talk about lots of fun things, five keys to a thriving marriage. Um, seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never give up. It's an awesome resource for any marriage or couple who hopes to be married one day. But so what are some real practical ways that you and Craig kind of show love to each other on a regular basis? Well, I think that the main thing, I guess, uh, for any marriage and that has been the strength of our marriage is that uh, we fight for that time, just like with our family time. We fight for time together. We're jealous for that time together. We do better spending time together, not apart. It brings the intimacy. And so um, uh, making our marriage a priority, being thoughtful. There's so many other things going on in our life to draw our attention away and our focus away from each other. And so we have to find, you know, the intentionality of just thinking of each other and checking in with each other. And then uh, one of the things that we are doing now and have for the last several years with the kids out, maybe on an activity, all of them for a night, we're going on walks if the weather's nice. Mm-hmm. Um and that is walking together just has provided an enormous opportunity for, you know, the best conversations. You know, maybe if the weather's bad, we go for a drive. Mm-hmm. But um, just just being intentional, I think, has been a, a strength that we won't we won't neglect our marriage. That's a priority. Mm-hmm. You can't. And, and, and I see a lot of marriages that suffer a lot due to neglect. So 
That's so true. It's important. And it's harder yeah. than, than I think it probably should be to be intentional because it is, it's not easy. You have to make it happen. Yeah. Everything pulls you away. Everything. Good things. Great things mm-hmm. pull you away. Right. So you've raised, well, you have six kids. You've raised several already to adulthood. You also have a grandbaby. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. He is so cute. Oh, yes, he is. Are you loving just, Deanna? Uh, what are you, Gigi? Is that your name, Gigi? I'm Gigi. I'm Gigi. So cute. And I always knew I would, I always knew I would love being a grandmother. I think I thought forward in my life, even before I was a mom and thought there, there it is right there. That's the real prize. Um, although I've loved my children, I just thought that's going to be incredible. And it is, but <laughs> what I didn't, what I did not anticipate, Jen, was how cool it is to see, um, the aunts and uncles, my children, how crazy they are over oh, their little nephew. That is really, fun. I, it's the coolest thing. They're just giddy over him. Aww. So that's, that's been neat. To and see. you still get to sleep, you know, like I, if they're not sleeping, I, you get to get all the good parts and then send them home. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> So what words of advice um, would you give to parents that are kind of in the thick of it? Or or maybe how would you encourage yourself as a young mom if you could go back to that season of diapers and sippy cups? Because I think we have a lot of moms that are are young moms with with small Mm -hmm. kids listening. Absolutely. And there's a, yeah, there's a book in that, right? (laughs) There's so much. And I love studying parenting, reading on parenting, um, always wanting to improve in that. You know, in the thick of it, being a young mom, raising little ones, if I could go back and encourage myself, I I find myself already thinking about this, um, being a grandmother and and watching my oldest, Katie, as a mom. You know, obviously, everyone tells the young mom, oh, the years go by so fast, enjoy it. But about the enjoying part, I think it's that, Amy, gosh, don't take it all so seriously. Okay, now that sounds weird because it's a huge responsibility and it's it is it's a very serious thing to be a parent. But I think I found that I could take it so serious that I couldn't enjoy the moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to just laugh more and take deep breaths and say it's okay. And I would take myself too seriously and the and the role too seriously. Like you're gonna and, mess it um, up, like like too seriously. Yes. Like you could just mess it all up and it could all fall apart if you don't follow through on one thing. And there's a revelation that came to me that maybe is so obvious to anybody else, but it was, you know, I could be the perfect parent as perfect as Christ himself. And my children are still going to have problems and they're still going to be sinners that struggle in their flesh. And of course I couldn't be the perfect parent, but if I could, if we did it all just exactly right, Mm -hmm. um, they are going to have issues and struggles and, and it's just how life is. And, you know, you look at at Christ and, and, and God from the beginning, walking with Adam and Eve, and they still chose to disobey. It wasn't because of his imperfection or because of Christ's imperfection that Judas betrayed him or Peter denied him. And so it kind of gives some relief to, and, and let, allows you to live in the freedom of his grace that we, that we're all, um, you know, just objects and trophies of his grace as children of God and, and just um, begin to delight in him and his goodness instead of worrying about us getting it all right. And so, yeah, I wouldn't worry so much about getting it all right. And my kids, you know, trying to make everything just perfect in their life and prevent them from turning into terrorists or something. But <laughs> yeah, just relax and, and enjoy 
the process and yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, and I think as parents, easier said than done. (laughs) Well, yeah. And as parents, of course we have the responsibility of, of telling them about Jesus, but ultimately knowing that we can put as many fires around them as possible. And I've heard someone say that to light as much kindling around them as you can, um, that would, could light their hearts on fire for the gospel for, for God. But ultimately, you know, he's the, he's the savior, he's the rescuer and it's not us. So yeah, right. Yeah. There's plenty to do. You know, I, and I, I, I say all of that with the default of thinking this is the parent that is, you know, doing everything they can. It's a priority to you, not the one that would already be like, oh, whatever. I just let them run around and, <laughs> right, right. and, and, and raise themselves, you know, yeah, I was the opposite of, you know, probably micromanaging and needed to lighten up a bit, especially mm-hmm. in those early years. Well, I think most, so I think a, lot a lot of, of us lot are, of are striving and trying so hard to yeah, be the best parent we can be. And so I, I think that advice is perfect. So how do you kind of recharge both spiritually and practically when you get overwhelmed with the daily grind? Mm. <laughs> how do I recharge in that? You know, it's different for everybody. You know, our personalities are all different, but I'm an introvert. And so I need to recharge. I need alone time. It's and, and for me, that usually is time sitting in God's word, just a little bit of prayer um, or just doing anything that, you know, even housework, anything that I don't have that can sort of be mindless mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, where I can just let my mind be at rest that, and then I find myself, why is this so beneficial? Oh, yes, the Lord says, be still and know I'm God. And so it's in the stillness that I recharge. And um, and so I crave that. <laughs> I will run into another room and literally hide from my family. Not that they're in an, there's not an emergency, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I, I just sometimes have to get away and, and pray before I'm going to lose it because it's, you know, there's too much. Mm-hmm. So there is, I've definitely, yeah. I've definitely and, locked myself in a bathroom a time or two. Right. Even right. if there and were I, little fingers I, wiggling underneath the door. <laughs> oh, I know it's crazy. I don't, I don't think people realize how we're all so much alike in that, that, um, I talked to a gal yesterday that said that it's really hard for her to admit that things are hard as a, as a young mom. And I just thought, that's crazy, but I get it. I don't know why we, we try to hide that it's hard. And we all, everybody's comparing. We look at other women and go, well, look at her. She has six kids. They'll say to me, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be struggling. I only have the two kids. And I'm like, this is crazy. We don't, shouldn't compare. Every story is different. Mm-hmm. Every children has different issues and dynamics, and it's all hard. Mm-hmm. And don't, be afraid, don't be afraid to admit it or think something's wrong with you. It's just we're all there. Life is hard and all all of its different ways. So, um, give, you know, realize that we're all dealing with it. Oh, but you know, I said quiet time and things like that, but I also really like vigorous exercise. So I love singles tennis and I, and I love a good, um, what's it called? The workout that's calisthenics and all that I love mm-hmm. to do. And I don't do it as often as I should, but that really helps me recharge. Did you play tennis growing so. up? Or did you just start doing it for fun later? <laughs> when Craig and I met, um, he was a college tennis player and he put a racket in my hand and said, <laughs> you're doing this. And he said, yeah, he said, 
you know, here's how you hold the grip. Here's a proper grip for a forehand and just started from there. I did play as a kid for fun, but I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't competitive on any team just for fun. So he, and I always loved it. And so it was easy to jump in and just begin to play with him. And I've yeah played all now my adult life just as a recreation. It's, it puts a smile on your face. And I tell you, when you're in the thick of it, raising kids, anything that will put a smile on your face, because sometimes, unfortunately, your children don't <laughs> um, you, you, for their good and for your husband's uh, good if you're married so that, you know, the more sane you are, the better happy mom, happy everybody, Amen. happy wife, happy, happy life. Come on. Let's <laughs> so put that do on a something. t-shirt <laughs> on a coffee mug. <laughs> Happy, happy, happy. That's right. So obviously you have a huge heart for your family and for your church. Um, what other passions keep you up at night? Oh, you know, um, lately we've had a lot of just, in many, you know, so many hurting people. And so that's um, just our burden for, for hurting, um, grieving people, struggling marriages, things like that. People that we know that we're in the trenches with praying for and and ministering to are definitely part of that. Um, Outside of just, you know, the the people that we know and love and serve, I love discipleship and feel called to disciple disciple people in the Word and women in the Word. And so I'm always uh, wrestling and trying to hear from the Lord of how to better disciple the girls in our switch ministry, our student ministry, as I, le- I lead a, a small group there. And also for the sisters ministry, the HOPE study was just finished and will go out when we launch. Well, we do our sisters event once a year that's for all of Life Church locations. And then there's a message that introduces everybody into the HOPE study. That's done, and that's about to kick off here in the coming weeks in the fall. But I've already started on next year's study that will launch for next year's event, and that will be called The Call. Um, that keeps me uh, and you write all these Bible studies just to clarify. So you wrote the pursuit last year. Right. And then the hope okay. is this year, the calls next year. So you're kind of in the trenches, just kind of hashing these out, just kind of what's in your heart. Right. Yes. Right. And it, you know, that takes a lot of prayer and a lot of thought because I don't want to just start typing out anything that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love and it takes a good amount of work. And so I love doing that. And I, and I'm always, um, praying and seeking God to, to make that the best it can be. And, you know, there's other things as well too. There's, yeah, there's our home, the, the women's ministry home that I was privileged to start. Yes. Um, Branch 15. Yeah. And that, um, there's always a need there, a prayer need and a, something that we're working through. It's thriving and doing so well. Um, it ministers to women in transition, and predominantly right now we're seeing women coming out of prisons getting transitioned back into the, their mainstream life mm-hmm. and, see, and seeing more and more success as we've learned and developed a program to help them succeed. And so that's been really exciting. And I've been less hands-on as the years and months go by because my team is getting better, praise the Lord. <laughs> mm, that's great, yeah. Still involved, but even less and so I'm thankful that mm-hmm. they're doing so great. Yay, that's awesome. What What have you kind of learned through the process of starting and growing Branch 15? Oh, wow. Um, starting the first year, if I've talked to a lot of ladies that they, they want to start something um, either similar or just a ministry from the ground up like this. And 
I encourage them to understand like the first year, it's a make or break time. It is for restaurants and retail. It is for so many things and, and church ministry, a church plant. Um, it's a crucial time. And I would say we about didn't make it our first year. <laughs> it was scary. It was like, this is, is going to fall apart or we're going to fight through it and, and make it. And we did. So I don't know. The lesson was just relying on God. I My story was just crying out to him in that moment of kind of the perfect storm of, in that first year. So much work goes into groundwork of anything, so many nuts and bolts. But I realized I needed um, just wisdom. And I, I prayed, like James 1 says, pray and ask God, don't doubt in your heart and ask him for wisdom. And I I did that. I, I could have asked Craig, he's a master at leadership, but I uh, I actually just wanted um, to not burden him. He had a lot on his plate at the, this day in particular. And it was incredible because it was like the same day as that prayer, maybe hours later, I'm on like a treadmill and like the floodgates of heaven opened and wisdom just poured into my mind that was not me. <laughs> it was everything that was so practical and it's what I just knew it was the Lord because it wasn't how I normally think. And he was just showing me positions that I needed, volunteer roles I needed, just the structure of it to to give our, our team the culture and the cohesiveness that it needed. Just incredible ideas um, poured. It was so much information so fast. I was just like, wait a minute, Father, you know, I've got to go and get something and start writing all this down. It was amazing. And um, so I just learned that prayer is the best thing <laughs> in mm-hmm. starting up a ministry, relying on the Lord and, and knowing how faithful he is that if we, if we really listen and ask this for our specific needs, that he's going to do it. And, you know, anything that we start, if it's of him, um, you know, he, it, it's something that like this podcast that you do, Jen, you know, you didn't do it cause you just thought, I don't have anything else better to do with my day. <laughs> you, you felt called to it and you, you felt like this is going to serve and meet a need and, and minister to people. and uh, But really, that was on your heart because it started on the Father's heart, and then He placed it on your heart. And I think that's how ministries from the Father work. There's something that was on His heart that He puts on His kids' hearts, you know, to the ones that say, okay, send me, um, and are and, and ready to go, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. So you just step in, but it has to, you have to stay um in that tuned in. I still need you. I still mm-hmm. need you. I'm, I don't want to just, I don't want to just get this figured out and, um, and stop depending mm-hmm. on you because he, he will lead us every step of the way through year by year. Absolutely. So I don't yeah. know. I'm just, I think I'm rambling, but there's so much, um, so many lessons that, that it's unreal because we had no clue what we were doing and had to, I would say this, we had to seek out, um, we, uh, me mostly, but then as I added team members, uh, people that had done it before us. You got to get the mentors and the, the minds around you that know and have been doing what you're wanting to do. And so we have learned an mm-hmm. incredible amount in a short amount of time. Oh, I love that. And uh, I love what you said about relying on God because it sounds so cliche and we say it all the time, you know, we need to rely on God, but often we rely on our own strength. I mean, I think it's 
easy to do. And, um, just like you were saying, just like when you were praying and it was a thought that came into your mind that wasn't your thought. And, you know, you mentioned the podcast that definitely was not my thought. And it kept, it probably came into my mind a year before I started it and it felt kind of silly and it felt kind of like, who am I to do this? But, you know, the, the more that God keeps impressing things on your heart and kind of bringing small whispers of confirmation, it's like, all right, God, if this is you, um, then how can I, how can I say no? And one thing I've continually picked up from you. And one thing I love is your just true, genuine passion for God's word and for being in communication with him. Like when I think of you, I know that you are a prayer warrior and I know you're not perfect, but that's something that I really do think of is I know that you are at least coming before the father and listening to him. And, um, last year you took as campus pastor's wives through a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And I think actually, was it Janet Brumley who read it and recommended it to you first? Anyway. She did. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but one of my greatest takeaways from that book was to come before God messy. Don't try to put on a show. He already knows it all. Pretending gets us nowhere and accomplishes nothing. So just come to him with who you really are, just like a child would. And you are so good at that. I feel like every time I have a conversation with you, you're coming before God kind of messy as far as just like, God, what do you want? I'm trying to listen. I want to be in your will. Show me. And, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And just that, that that's instilled inside of you. Uh, thank you. And <laughs> uh, what do you say to that? But, you know, I, it is a passion of mine. I, I think prayer was a big weakness of mine. And it's, it's not like I, I don't see myself as a prayer warrior, but I see myself passionate for prayer uh, for a couple of reasons. But I think the biggest thing is what a joy I've discovered in the relationship factor of it, that it's not just a, I hear God, I have a bunch of requests for you. Here's my list. But I've, I've discovered the, the relationship and the beauty of that and the power of that and the, the delight in that. And, uh, and, I've, and I have read a lot of books on prayer and just become a prayer junkie, I guess, and that what I've experienced, I and I tend to want others to experience. And so that's where my passion comes from is as far as sharing books about prayer and teaching on it and speaking on it. Um, I, I just want others to taste what I've tasted and know that how sweet it is mm-hmm. um, to, to know the Lord in a, in a relationship that is through prayer that I, you know, really didn't experience until I don't know. And, and the richness that I have now um, for quite some years at being a follower of Christ and a believer. So, and I think it comes easier for some people than others, but it, I don't think it came easy for me. So it's been a, it's been a work that a habit to learn. And mm-hmm. I, I read the book, Pract, uh, what is it? The Practice of the Presence of God. And I don't know about all the theology in it and everything, but uh, of a Catholic monk, but it, it got me learning how to, to walk with him in the mundane and commune with him all the time. Mm-hmm. And there is something to say for that routine. I mean, there really is. Yes. You know, we moved our, um, I've maybe referenced this before. It's such a dumb thing, but we moved our trash can in our kitchen from one side <laughs> of the kitchen to the pantry. And I swear it took me a month to not walk to the other dang side of the kitchen. I just kept forgetting (laughs) where my trash can was. And of course now I don't even think about it, but there is something to say for carving those paths in our mind. There's that, 
memory that it, we do. We have to make a habit. Obviously, there's so many books written on the power of habit, and you know, Craig mm-hmm. talks about it in in leadership. It's a it's it's a huge deal. I'm not gonna I'm not the pro. I'm not the expert, but it is a huge deal just to even make prayer life. And I don't mean you know we have to be on our knees you know for two hours praying. But just in little whispers and little spurts throughout the day, just communicating with God in a consistent way. So, yeah, I love how you turned the the discussion of prayer into uh, trash cans and moving. <laughs> I was thinking, how did she turn this into a trash can? But now everybody go get your trash can in your kitchen and move it somewhere. And so you'll remember. You will. And that'll force you to pray. You'll be like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm there. Uh, trash cans and prayer. Just do it. Just yeah. make <laughs> so what's something that God has been showing or teaching you lately? Sometimes there's big themes. There's big lessons in a, in a season in my spiritual journey. And um, this question now kind of hits me differently where there's little things because mm-hmm. it's walking with God throughout the day and he, and being sensitive to his voice and his correction. A lot of it is corrections, Jen. It's not just like, Amy, here's wonderful truth and, and doctrine and, you know, insights from my word. It's, it's more like, you know, you were showing favoritism there, uh, little Mm -hmm. whispers like that. And I have to bring, I have to have repentance and go, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm judging, I'm judging this person because they can't write a sentence correctly. You know, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and because I do teach school and I've gotten really, I think, better and better at writing, then I, I'm seeing more errors in people's writing. And so I, I realize, like, oh, my gosh, like, as I, I try to, um, you know, see what people are, are saying and, and writing to me and things like that, I realize, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm passing a judgment. And I thought, you know what, I've grown in this area. And he just showed me you're no different from these ladies and that, you know, are, are not good writers. You weren't, I could, I could barely, you know, I, my grammar was bad when I met Craig, he was correcting my grammar all the time. He asked permission to do it, you know, but I grew up in an area in a, in a school system where, you know, that, that was part of where I came from. And so the Lord is humbling me in little ways like that. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but that's, um, the reality of it is that as you walk with the Lord, he's going to shine light on, on sin in your life. And right now it's just, um, things like that. And like this last weekend's message, there was, um, you know, bringing more correction and, and showing me that I need to walk more in boldness and part of Craig's message talking about um, that we're if we're not getting persecuted, that maybe we're not living boldly and, and we're pursuing comfort. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I realized, you know, that was something that, that the Lord's been showing me lately, but I have been uh, taking the comfortable road, and especially when it comes to uh, stepping out and having a conversation with somebody that maybe I don't have a real close relationship with, because um, I can be more on the introverted side, and so I'm I'm avoiding these conversations because it's I don't want to get an awkward conversation. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable, and it's because of comfort that mm-hmm. I avoid maybe being bolder in my conversations, you know, just starting conversations sometimes. But I just thought this is because I'm doing this because I, I'm wanting comfort over doing, you know, something that would glorify God. And so that was, 
you know, God just, you know, shows me things, little things like that all the time. So it's Mm -hmm. not just a a big lesson right now. It's just, he's, he's revealing (laughs) ways that I need to grow. And, um, that too, that message, sorry, no, that message for me too this weekend. I mean, comfort, luxury, security. I definitely think that that's a lot of our sin living here in America. We want those things. We desire those things. And sometimes we can place them ahead of the the mission or ahead of Christ, or we just don't want to even bring up anything that makes us uncomfortable. Like you're talking about even the little sins in our life that we need to, you know, allow God to kind of rub those, those rough edges away. And yeah, I mean, the life of following Jesus is a life of constant dying to ourselves, and it's not always comfortable, but yet I still pursue comfort and I hate that. I hate that I do that, you know, so absolutely right. Yep. So, um, what's a personal struggle you've kind of had to battle through lately? Besides what I already just mentioned. (laughs) So people that have followed, um, life church or Craig's, my husband's, um, messages have probably heard him mention our daughter, Mandy. And that's definitely a big, a big one in the family, a trial we're going through of just, um, our second daughter, Mandy, who's almost 22 has been married for a year and a year and a half. I don't know how long has she been married? Um, coming up on that, she's, you know, has struggling with chronic illness, uh, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and things like that. Just not having the energy and having to step down from her job and of ministry, and um, that's definitely been a trial. And it, I share this in the sister's message that I pre-recorded about how I actually fell into as into a little bit of discouragement. Um, and it, there was a particular day where where it hit me super hard because usually I, I think I have a. Um, I'm a person of strong faith and I can, I can believe, you know, the dead to raise my, I have just really strong faith in God and what he can do. And, and I've come through a lot of my own personal struggles with fear and worry. And so I feel like I've battled and I've overcome a lot of worries. I haven't been worrying about Mandy. I haven't been, um, I've been trusting the, the Lord with her, but it's just month after, you know, day after day, month after month as it goes by and you still have conversations that are, you know, she had to stay on this couch all day and, and you don't see signs of improvement. And then the day that it hit me really hard was she's had, you know, compounding issues. And one of them that we were, she was getting tested on to see if there was, if it was a gallbladder problem, the test came back and showed that it wasn't. And we were certain that it was because it's affected what she can and can't eat. And, um, her health. And so when that came back inconclusive or showing that, you know, we didn't know what was going on, I don't know. It just hit me. I was just done. I was like, okay, that's it. <laughs> and I, a huge amount of discouragement came in my life for that day. And I over, I overcame it just by within a matter of hours, as I realized that this verse from Romans eight, um, I think it's verse eight or verse six or something verse six, that the mind of the flesh is death. To set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so I just had to make that conscious choice. Okay. I'm not going to get anything out of 
fear and worry and discouragement, all the negative things that my mind can do when I, when I don't like a report or something, um, the best thing to do is to remind myself, you know, the truth to have thoughts of the spirit, think on things that are good, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, a good report, you know, think on these things that are true, that God is still faithful, that he still loves her, that nothing can separate us from him, you know, just renewing my mind. And with that, it's not that, okay, now I just have better thoughts. Mm -hmm. With that, peace comes and, and real joy comes and, and life comes. Um, Just a perspective shift. Yes. And it's, we don't realize how destructive, um, I mean, we do, we know how destructive it is to think negatively, to think, to worry and to have those negative thoughts, but it's significantly destructive in all kinds of ways. And so it's not just living in a world of Pollyanna positive thinking. It's a, Mm -hmm. it is what's true and it is what we have to stand on. And, and, uh, I thought here I am, teaching on hope, wrote a study on hope, and I have have got no hope. You know, I just ran out of hope. But as soon as I put my mind on the things of the Spirit, it just reset me to go, no, I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to dwell there, Um, which takes time when you're not used to doing that, like habits we were talking about. So Mm -hmm. that's been a personal thing for our family that has been very hard. And there's other things too, unfortunately, and there always will be. I think, I think for each kid, if we, you know, had the time and if you even cared, but I could go through it, you know, (laughs) starting with, you know, my oldest and going down to my youngest and we could, I could share, you know, a burden as a mom that you carry for each of them. And, and, and at least one specific area that you just carry and then you can do that, the same thing for your spouse. And we just carry a lot of those burdens. That's, but the Lord says, you know, cast them off because he doesn't, he doesn't want us to carry them. We're going to care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We care, but you don't need to carry. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. So, um, let the Lord carry it and you just keep caring and loving and serving and well, I love how so. the, re- the remedy for your hopelessness kind of in that moment or for those hours was reminding yourself of the truth. It was preaching to yourself, you know, um, mm-hmm. and sweet Mandy, she, we've been praying for her. And one thing I love about her and gosh, how she's handled this, which I can't imagine it would be so difficult. I love that in this, she's not waiting for it to be fixed and over before she's proclaiming that God's faithful and good. I mean, she's doing it in the storm. And I know that she, she, I know she has bad days and I know that it, it can't be easy, but I truly admire that that's what's overflowing out of her still. Yes, absolutely. And that's the, the work of the Holy Spirit in her. And that's the encouraging thing as you go through it, where she's not in despair over it and she's making the best of it and she's serving others and ministering to others in her pain and in her struggle. And so I'm proud of her for that, for, um, and it, but it shows a genuine faith that the Lord's done in her life, a genuine walk with him. And, and so I'm so thankful. Mm-hmm. All right. So obviously you and Craig have just over the past 20, how many years since you started the church? 21, two? 21, 21. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've been a part of life church for 14. I was trying to remember what the, when it started, wow. but, um, one, one of my favorite things about honestly about our church is that 
everything has been in response to what God is doing. So it's not like you guys set out, let's be this big multi-site church. I mean, that's not how it happened at all. Um, you know, I, I love the story about when you had, was it Sam or Stephen? Sam. When you had Sam, you know, Craig had preached on Saturday night and you had Sam in the middle of the night and they made the decision to roll the video from the night before. And that honestly is how multi-site church even came into the vision of, huh, we could, we could actually do church differently. And so I just love that it's not like you guys set out to do these great things. I mean, of course you had, I'm sure, visions of, okay, God, you can do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But I love that so much has just been in response of what God has done. Yeah. So obviously there's Life Church, you homeschool, you're a Christian author and speaker, and you have all these labels. Um, how do you know that if those things were stripped away, that he would be enough, that God would be enough? I don't know that I could answer this in a the technically correct way, but as honest as I can be, I try to live outside of those labels every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and, and it actually took me a while uh, because I so practice not recognizing labels and titles and positions that I'm, that God might, you know, give me opportunity to live in or, or walk in that I, I, I don't know that I reject them, but I almost reject them. I just don't, I want to be defined by God. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be defined as Craig's wife or anything except what he defines me as. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm kind of, Craig calls me a purist in that sense that I'm, I just, because I know how important it is to just be a child and to be humble and that it is about him. And because I know that deep down in the the core of who I am as a follower of Christ, Mm -hmm. that I almost have trouble on the flip side, recognizing that God has given me influence, that he has given me a platform. And I think that's why, I don't know, maybe it was seven years ago, I'm just throwing a number out there, but that he almost had to lightning bolt me, um, wake me up and get my attention and, and like, get your head out of the sand and quit pretending like you don't have a Hmm. place of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, I just didn't want to acknowledge it. Part of that probably was, in all honesty, um, not just godliness and all that, but part of it was probably comfort. I liked, Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of vulnerability that comes in standing up and being a leader. And uh, so uh, I really liked the comfort of, of not being known, but stepping into any area of leadership there was, there's so much responsibility in that. And so I think I I was wanting some comfort. That was my flesh side, but the Lord just showed me, you know, you've got to step up and, and take some areas that you're, you know, I've got some new things for you. It's just seasons over of hiding at home and I need to step up and uh, begin to, you know, he wanted me to start to do some things that were more, um, you know, out there, Mm um, in discipling and things. And so, and again, that's one thing I, I do love about you is that your faith is so genuine and authentic that it it's not about the label. It's not about whatever people want to peg on you, you know, and, and I, I really do love that about you. So you guys, as individuals, as a couple, you have given your entire life to sharing this gospel message. What motivates you to do it? <laughs> oh, I mean, for both Craig and I, um, it's definitely that we were lost and then found. It's um, I'm choking up. 
Um, we both had such real conversions. I mean, of course, a conversion is a conversion, but it's we were both in such really bad places. We've experienced such bad things living in the flesh, living in the world, living in sin. Um, we know the pain of it. We know the, the, the emptiness of it. And we know what it's like to be free. We know what it's like to be um, restored and redeemed. And anybody that, you know, can relate to that. And, and I was raised in a Christian home, but I had prodigal years that were pretty extreme. And so, and I, I don't know. I mean, God's put a heart of evangelist into Craig. Um, he, he put that into me as far as this, the passion for the loss. And so like when you said starting life church and no, we didn't intend to have a big church. We weren't thinking mega big, anything, but we, what we did think was the need is so great. The harvest is so great. The laborers, um, are few. And we just, our heart was just, Lord, could we just reach as many unchurched, unsaved people as possible? Mm-hmm. And there's an insatiable uh, desire that there's there's never enough. You know, it's like, can I get one more? Can I get one more? Can can we can we keep reaching more? And it has nothing to do with getting bigger in a church sense. It has to do with getting the kingdom bigger and the yes, hev- heaven growing heaven bigger. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what drives our church. It's what drives our hearts is growing the kingdom of God and the and mm-hmm. growing heaven. And I mean, that's honestly the truth. And um, you know. Our flesh isn't always going to reflect that when we fall into that comfort and all that. And our, mm-hmm. But um, when it boils down to it, that's that's who Christ created us to be, mm-hmm. is soul winners. <laughs> yes. Well, it's not about the new locations. It's about new life. And I know we say that often, but it really is the heartbeat of who we are. It is. So, so and it's so honored to be on the team. Me too. All right. So now I just want to ask you a couple of fun questions. So this is something I always want to know about people. What's your morning routine like? Wow. Well, it's definitely changed. Uh, but currently I have, you know, quiet time when I get up in the morning, prayer, Bible study, that sort of thing. And I, you know, I don't have little babies waking me up. And so, but back in the day, it didn't always go in the order I wanted it to go. If I could beat the kids up and, or, you know, I'd be too tired. So, but now I, I, I do that. They're old enough. They're getting their own breakfast. It's the most amazing thing ever. Now this is days of the weekdays with, uh, um, homeschooling and things. And we start our school day at eight thirty, and we start in prayer. We have, we have our own Bible, uh, a Bible time together where I get to kind of teach them a little bit. And I finish up my school time with them usually by, um, 10 45, 11. And I'm, and then I'm done as a homeschool mom and I just become regular mom and, and uh, they're not done. They have plenty to do and, uh, work that has to be graded and things like that and skilled work to do. But, um, I'm done with, with the stuff that I teach. Mm-hmm. So then I get to do, you know, I fall into a lot of ministry and things after that with the church. Awesome. So what is one of your favorite like everyday meals to cook for your big family. When everybody's home, what's something that you're you're making? Yeah, when everybody's home. Uh, yeah, because I used to cook pretty much every night, and now it's become like 
twice a week or something. And okay, um, well then or now, either one. <laughs> yeah, but so I mean, I can still answer your question. I'm just saying it's incredible how the seasons have changed mm-hmm. because I was a cooking machine, and now I've, I'm all about ease and can we throw it in the you know from the freezer to the oven? But um, my family, they love my meatloaf. We love to have uh, Pioneer Woman's chicken pot pie. Mm. I make that. I make that a lot. Uh, in the summer, we grill all the time. It's just throw all the meat on the grill, all different kinds of meat, fish, chicken, burgers, uh, brats. We just grill everything. So simple. And then, you know, in the, I go more to comfort foods as the weather cools. Mm-hmm. And so I know Hearty chilies, soups, yeah, <laughs> chilies and soups and yep, casseroles. I love my lasagna, which is very similar to Pioneer Woman's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been making it all my marriage, and it's so yummy. Mm. Might have to steal that yeah. recipe from you. Yes. So do you have any pet peeves? Anything that annoys you? <laughs> so glad you've asked. This is important. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get to the important stuff. Yeah. Let's change we'll the talk. world. <laughs> it, it could change the world, let me tell, tell you. Tell us. Um, Craig teases, but I really like conserving natural resources, especially water. And so I do not like when people just turn a faucet on and let it run and they at full blast. And, you know, that just drives me crazy or just the waste (laughs) of water in the ways of goodness. Um, bottled water. I can't stand to see when somebody has opened their bottled water, takes a sip and my kids do this all the time. And then it just, they've literally had two sips or something. And then it's left there. It's just left out on counters and coffee tables, never to be touched again. (laughs) And I do not, I do not throw that water out. I will either drink it, even if I don't, well, if I, if I know it's my kids and I know they're not sick, I will drink it or I will take that water and pour it into like a Keurig dispenser or something or at my, the, the teapots where you have to heat the water and boil it I, or pour it out in a, on a plant in the, in the garden because wasting water to me is like a big sin. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's not. I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, it should be. There's, there's a principle there somewhere. You know what we've been doing lately? Water. I've been writing um, just our initials on like the lid of a water bottle when we drink it because they're always getting mixed up. And so that's part of the reason why it's easy to, to not drink it because you're like, ah, I don't want to get sick if some, you know, if something's going around. And so yes. we've been doing that a lot lately and it actually seems to be helping. So I don't know if that could be life-changing for you, but (laughs) I was getting excited at first, but I don't know because I, I can foresee everybody's lids getting mixed up and lost. So maybe that's true. You got to put the lid right back. We can try it. We can try, but yeah, I will go. I will try that. (laughs) So if someone's brushing their teeth and the water is just on while they're brushing their teeth. Yeah. It used to really stress me out. Now I'm just like, okay, I just take a deep breath and yeah. (laughs) I try to, if I have the ability, I will go over and try to turn it off. That's great. I love it. It's kind of crazy. So do you have any books or podcasts or anything that you would recommend? Ooh, um, all of Craig's books, my husband's books. Of course. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I do like to recommend books on prayer, like a praying life that we went through, 
Um, I also really enjoyed, um, what is it? Okay. Well, I I can't think of the other perfect. A parenting book that I like to recommend is Loving Your Child on Purpose. It's not one that is probably widely known. Uh, It's by Danny Silk, Loving Your Child or Children on Purpose. Um, It's really good. I'm kind of new at listening to podcasts, and I've been listening to some news podcasts, um, and I've been listening to yours and loving it. And uh, I listen to my husband's leadership podcast, but uh, I listen to the news, the world and everything in it. It's a Christian worldview um, mm. news, news broadcast, and they it's like a daily thing. Yeah, you can just get all your, your news in a Christian worldview really quick. All in one place. I yeah. love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for just taking the time to come and chat with us and share your wisdom today. We just so appreciate it. Well, Jen, you, you and your family are just amazing. And Craig and I love you and Derek so much and love what you're doing in the, in the church and through this podcast and all that you do. It's, you're just such a, a beautiful light for Jesus. Uh, well, See, you're so real. Well, thank you. I am and fun. <laughs> I don't know about that. And cute. Oh, geez. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Keep going. Just kidding. <laughs> well, we, um, I'm just thankful for not just what you do throughout the, really the globe and um, for the kingdom of God, which is a ton, but more than that, just for who you are as a person. And we love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Just want to say to everyone who joined us today, thanks again for being here. If you missed the last episode, my friend Gina shared about her long and bumpy journey to motherhood. We talked about infertility, adoption, and trusting God even when nothing makes sense. Before that was Lauren McAfee, Cindy Beal, and other incredible women. You can find them all at The Messy Table on iTunes, where you can also subscribe if you'd like. That's what I do for my favorite podcasts. I just click the subscribe button once, and after that, they come straight to my phone. You can also find the conversation notes for this podcast and links to any resources we referenced on my website at jenjewel.com. So yeah, I think that's it. As you go about your week, remember that life isn't always perfect, but God is at work in the mess.